In this episode of Startups for the Rest of Us, Mike and I talk about our goals for 2019, and we also look back at our goals for 2018 and evaluate how well we did. This is Startups for the Rest of Us, episode 423. Welcome to Startups for the Rest of Us, the podcast that helps developers, designers, and entrepreneurs be awesome at building, launching, and growing software products. Whether you've built your first product or you're just thinking about it. I'm Rob. And I'm Mike. And we're here to share our experiences to help you avoid the same mistakes we made. So where this week, sir? Well, uh, it's the uh, middle of December, so I'm just kind of working on microconf sponsorships and scholarships at the moment. So just having uh, various conversations with people about different options because things are a little bit different for sponsorship options for microconf. And there's a few different options that are on there that also include the scholarships. So last year, we kind of quietly and under the radar offered 14 scholarships to people for Starter Edition. And I'm looking to expand that this year and talking to various people about it. I've already got some people who who've committed funds and already actually put the money in and started sponsoring those. So it's, that's good to see. And we'll just kind of see where things shake out at the end of it. I kind of have a, a mental goal in mind, but I don't want to you know, shoot myself in the foot by sharing it. Sure. And so if someone was interested in either sponsoring either the conferences or offering a scholarship ticket to Starter, how would they get in touch with you? So they can reach me at mike at micropreneur.com or I think uh, sponsors at microconf.com also works. So either one of those and the the scholarship option, if you're interested in just sponsoring one individual scholarship option, there's a link for that right on the sales page for the microconf sales. So you can go over to microconf.com, click on the link to buy a ticket, and there's an option there to just sponsor, uh, purchase an individual ticket. And in terms of the sponsorships, there's kind of a, a way to mechanism for purchasing more than just one or two tickets. I think it starts at four and uh, goes up from there. Yeah. And the neat part about the scholarships, I mean, this is something you really spearheaded and you, it kind of came under the radar a couple years ago. And then you really started pushing on this program last year, but it helps folks get to starter who otherwise can't afford to, right? Or, or they, they, they don't have expendable cash to get out there and it can really make a difference for someone. I mean, I know that, that we interviewed some folks uh, like with kind of video interviews after the fact or during the conference to share with the person who had sponsored the person or company who had sponsored him. And you and I looked through those and they were, they were pretty meaningful. Like people were really impacted by the conference and it was a, I think it was a transformative experience for them. And so it's, it's nice to be able to offer something like that. Yeah, definitely. What's up with you this week? Well, I, I've long had an LLC in California, obviously, because that's where I was running my businesses. And I just am in the process, I I believe it's going to get finalized this week, of transferring that LLC to Minnesota. And there's a bunch of reasons for doing this. A, it's cheaper to do business here. But B, you know, I had to have basically like a kind of a PO box or a, uh, you know, an accountant or whatever. You have to have an address in California that they can send stuff to. And just, I don't need to file tax returns in California anymore. You know, even just that, it's like an extra tax return my accountant charges me several hundred bucks for. So it, it feels like kind of a, a nice piece of closure for me. And it's also an opportunity to rename the thing because I could name it whatever I wanted. And like the name that I picked in 2007 is <laughs> does not resonate with me. I, I picked a name that was so broad and esoteric that I could put whatever I wanted under it because at first it was like a consulting firm. So it had the name group in it. Right? It's called the Numa Group. So it was a consulting firm, but then I just put a bunch of software products under it and put the ownership of MicroConf under, you know, my, my part of MicroConf under it. And 
I just don't, I don't particularly love the name anymore, you know, and the domain name I have for it is clunky. And so I'm just kind of consolidating things. So I renamed it to Start Small LLC. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it took me a while. I'm not, I'm not like good at naming stuff. And I was just like, what is something that is for me is timeless, you know, that, that in 10 years, I'm going to think back and say, that was a good call. And it's not just because it's the, you know, the title of my book or part of the title, but I just feel like it, it fits into so much, you know, it's, it's like tells my story in two words and it, it fits in with the microconf ethos, you know, it's just said so many things. So anyways, that's been kind of a fun, like a cathartic process of just like moving everything here, redirect, like the Numa group redirects to my, you know, robwelling.com site, which I had redone. So I'm just kind of getting rid of a bunch of cruft because the Numa group site was like a landing page that was outdated. And I just kept saying, oh, I'm going to get back to that. But it's like, why even have a landing page? You know, why even have that anymore, right? The company is not important. It's more about, frankly, at this point, it's kind of about robwelling.com and then about tiny seed, right? It's like my personal site and the business site and everything else is in microconf, of course. But no, anyways, that's been... That's kind of been the the process. Yeah, I can imagine that's a real pain in the neck, and it's something you probably want to get taken care of before December 31st, because if you don't, then you have to file taxes again in California the following year. So That's exactly what I'm doing, yep. The only other thing is I've I've been coming out of the woodwork a little more and doing some some interviews and even wrote a kind of a little well I guess it was kind of a Q and A piece for a software executive magazine so we'll, that'll be out in a, in a couple months and I'll probably mention that again when it comes out but Hacker Noon have you heard of Hacker Noon Yeah yeah it they the guy emailed me from there and did a little written interview with me so it was kind of fun it took a lot of work I forget how easy voice interviews are compared to written interviews. And I know that you know this because of the Indie Hackers one you did last year or earlier this year. And you were like, yeah, I spent like two days on it. You know, it's so much effort. Yeah, it's it's a way more effort to do those than it is to... Because the, I think people's expectations are different as well if you're talking versus if it's written, it seems like it should be carefully crafted and say exactly what you mean and not anything else. And But when people are listening to you, you have a lot more leeway, I think, because people people understand that you're talking off the cuff and it, you know, it's not a heavily scripted thing where you've memorized every question and every answer. Yeah, that's right. It feels less prepared. Whereas writing feels like you need to rewrite it and reread it and edit it and do all that. And that, which is exactly what I did. Right. So it took me two or three hours to answer the questions. And what was cool is some of the questions on the Hacker Noon interview are ones that I've really never been asked, which is always fun to think through, but it's also time consuming. And it's peak, it's kind of peak productivity stuff. I had to do it in the morning. I couldn't, in the afternoon, I would just been too tired, you know, to really hammer something out. And then I came back and revised it and updated it and stuff. So it's, I feel like it turned into a really good interview. I haven't done a written interview in probably five years just because of the time that it takes. I just turned them down, but I kind of, you know, wanted to do this one. So we'll be sure to link that up in the show notes. And so this week, we are diving into our goals for 2019. But first, Mike, the walk of shame. We get to look back at our 2018 <laughs> goals. So episode 372, just a short 50 or so, 51 episodes ago, it looks like, we talked about our 2018 goals. So why don't you roll into your first one? And are we going to do a one to five scale of one as we completely flubbed the goal and five as we completely nailed it? Oh, I thought you were talking about one to five as like my goals versus your goals. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. This is how well we carried them out. Well, I mean, I mean, quite honestly, like we can put one on pretty much every single one of mine. I mean, we could just kind of shorten it. I'll go through them, but... Oh, no. I, I, I mean, this this last <laughs> right. year was just absolutely atrocious, so... Well, let's let's do it. Let's roll through all yours right now, then. 
Sure. So you want me to go through all five of them then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The a- <laughs> agony. Right. Let's read them oh, in yeah. slow motion so everyone can watch a train wreck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one was uh, it was actually a carryover goal from the previous year, which was logging at least 100 days of exercise the coming year. And I fell way, way short of that. I probably got to like 25 or 30. And that was about it. And then the second one was making blue tick profitable, including my time, which has also not happened. And then the other three, I think at least one or two of these, we about two or three months in, maybe March or so, we decided, hey, these just don't even look realistic. We should just can these to begin with. So one of them was speaking at six plus conferences or events because the idea was that at first I thought, okay, well, this can be a way to market blue tick. But at the same time, you really have to have the right audience for that kind of thing anyway. And it felt like more of a distraction than anything else. So I ended up canning that one. And then the other one, reading at least one business book every two weeks, that seemed to me like it was also a distraction. It was like a, a consumption thing. I also cut back on podcast listening just because of the same thing. It was just take up mental overhead that I just didn't want to have. And then the last one on that list was hiring somebody to take over blue tick development, which, you know, kind of requires that blue tick become profitable. And if that doesn't happen, then it's hard to fund that. So yeah, I would say pretty much one on all, all of those. And so, so what does that tell us? Is it, were you doing other things that you would say were accomplishments that were outside of this? Like, you know, was it a focus thing or was there a better priority that came up? Or do you think that goals are not, I mean, are goals stupid? You know, that's another, like, should we, should we not set goals? I think a lot of it had to do with lack of focus and, 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 by lack of focus, I don't mean, you know, I'm working on one thing and then working on another. I mean, literally lack of focus, inability to focus. So like, cause I wasn't sleeping and I, I mean, I've been kind of suffering through this for the past several years, but like I got on a CPAP machine a couple months ago and that thing's been working fantastically. Like I'm actually sleeping now, but I went back and I looked before this episode, I looked at the sleep log that I had kept for the sleep therapist that I saw. And I was up anywhere from like three to eight times a night. And I was only getting anywhere from four to six hours of sleep. I mean, there were times where I would get one and a half to two hours of sleep a night. So like I felt fuzzy and it's hard to, it's hard to describe the difference that it makes when I felt that way. Like yesterday, for example, I woke up, I had a fantastic night of sleep and it's just a world of difference between being able to think straight and just kind of going through the motions and getting things done, but not really able to focus on any one thing and and feeling like you're shifting back and forth, but not making any real progress. Yeah. It's easy to get distracted and your mind is kind of thoughts are fleeting. In addition, I don't know if this happens to everyone, but when I only get a few hours sleep, I am actually super pessimistic and I can I can look like almost like a depressed like someone with depression even though I don't tech, you know I don't technically have it because it's not over a long period of time I will wake up and just be like oh this is all just shit. like this none of this is going to work oh my gosh why am I even why am I even starting startups I can't do any of that like I that will be my inner self talk and I'll catch myself now and be like dude you're really tired like you should just go to sleep you know not and I know that's not that easy for you but like that's what I my inner monologue will be on those days of like you're going to be better off not working today right but for you it was happening every day right 
Yeah. I mean, even on the weekends too, like that was the worst part is I was, I was exhausted and I couldn't get to sleep. And when I did go to sleep and I didn't realize this at the time, cause I was trying all these different things to just get to sleep. Oh, I'll, I'll move my bedtime back earlier and I'll go to sleep. At, I'll try to go to bed at like 10, 10 30, you know, turn off all electronics and don't answer emails, you know, after, you know, seven or eight o'clock at night, just like turn all that stuff off. And it worked to a, a slight degree, but not enough. And I couldn't figure out why. And it kept happening. And of course, come to find out through the the sleep study, like, oh, I'm, you know, my body is waking me up multiple times a night because I stopped breathing. And like, you can't change habits and still and fix that. It just doesn't happen. So it didn't matter what I did. Nothing was working. Yeah. And that's, that's tough. And it's, you know, frustrating. So would you say, I mean, you know, obviously five goals set and zero goals achieved, like health issues were a major impact on that, right? I mean, it's it's interesting, like Sherry talks about this, that a lot of mental health issues in general, like people with depression or ADHD or I don't know, other other stuff, one cause of those, not for everyone, but one cause is a lack of sleep. Once people stop being able to sleep full nights, their mind starts doing weird things. She also talked about, there are some research studies that talk about the quite a bit of the angst of being a teenager. You know how it's, you turn 13 and you get all angsty from 13 to 18 or whatever is kind of the thing, right? In high school, that a lot of that could very well be to just a lack of sleep that kids at that age need about 10 or 11 hours. And most kids do not get that much. And so they're tired all the time. And it leads to that, the sadness or whatever. I'm no expert on this. So I don't want to talk, but Sherry has talked to me multiple times about this. And especially with our kids, because some of our, you know, a couple of our kids at different times have, they have behavioral issues, they have focus issues. And one of the first things we look at is sleep and exercise every time, instead of trying to medicate or whatever. And I'm not anti-medication, but it's like the first two resorts every time sure is like, how has he been sleeping? And is he getting out and getting 20 minutes of hustle, hard exercise, not a 20 minute walk, but 20 minutes of, you know, running around playing dodgeball a day. And so I think that's, it's interesting and it can have a huge impact on your mood and, and your ability to focus, which then has a huge impact on your productivity. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, it was that vicious cycle of not being able to sleep. And then it also affecting my ability to go to the gym. Cause if I don't go to the gym first thing in the morning, it's just not going to happen because I get busy and other things get in the way, but not being able to sleep has a direct impact on my willingness and, you know, ability to go to the gym. So if, it just puts me in this vicious cycle where I don't get the sleep, so I don't go to the gym, so I don't feel good in any way, shape, or form. And then I go to bed and I'm stressed out and exhausted and tired. And then my mind is wandering even before I go to sleep, so I can't get to sleep. And then when I do sleep, my body just because of the, I guess, I'm assuming it's because it's physical problems. I've just got the sleep apnea and it wakes me up. So like all of it combined, like it's just, it doesn't end. And there was no way for me to kind of break the cycle until I found out what it really was. I knew I wasn't sleeping, but that was a symptom. It wasn't the underlying problem. And so you've had the machine for the past couple months. Do, has your progress, has it been night and day? Like not just how you feel, because I know how you feel is night and day, but like, are you making substantially more measurable progress since then? Yes. Like I can, I can point to different things that I've done in the past, like I'd say two months or so where I, in the past two months, I've probably made more progress than I have in the past, like 10 or 15. Hmm. Wow. So, I mean, it's, it is night and day, but, it, and I'm cautiously optimistic about how things are going to turn out. But obviously like at this point, it, I, I feel like it's more about execution than anything else. 
but I still have to make sure that I crack down on those health issues and make sure that they don't get in the way. Because now that I know what the problem is or problem was, then I can try to do things to address it. But before I just, I was trying all these different things because I didn't know what was going to work or what wasn't and how to get around it. And I remember pushing off on the sleep study a while back from my doctor. She's like, oh, you should, have you ever thought about having this done? And I was like, well, I have, but like, I don't really want to go through it and have nothing come out of it. Cause last time I ended up going in, she like, she recommended that I go for blood work. She's like, Oh, your platelet counts low and let's check this out. So I go and she refers me to this doctor, go through that. And then $400 worth of tests later, the doctor tells me, well, you don't have leukemia. And I'm like, I never thought I did. I don't know why I'm here for that test. So it was kind of, kind of pissed me off, but you know, what do you do? I mean, the doctors are really just trying to figure out like what's going on here and they do it by process of elimination. So, you know, part of it's maybe my own fault for not doing it sooner because she had recommended it in the past. But at the same time, I was just like, I didn't really want to have that done just because I didn't know how much it was going to cost. And my insurance barely covered any of it. So like cost me several thousand dollars for between the machine and the tests and everything else anyway. Right. So do you, in looking back on, you know, obviously these goals, you said five of them are ones. Is there anything of note that you would say that, I mean, it's a weird question, but like, is there something that you accomplished in 2018 that you feel good about that if it had been a goal, you would be a five, you know, something of note, or I, you know, I don't know how you, how you even rank that. I'm just trying to dig in to figure out, was there, you know, is there anything there? Like, like was 2018 a complete loss or were things you actually brought up? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just want, you know, just kind of dig it into it because it's, because this sucks and there are people, there's going to be someone listening to this who thinks, oh, Mike should have sucked it up and, and accomplished stuff anyways and pushed forward. And then there, the majority of people I'm guessing are going to be like, wow, that totally sucks. I hope that never happens to me. I hope I never feel that way. And then there are going to be people who like, I've been through that, you know, and whether it's sleep issue, whether it's your neck and back hurting so much that you can only work two hours a day, which has happened to me, whether it's uh, some people get vertigo really bad, so they get super dizzy, some people get depression, they get ADHD, you know, there's all these debilitating things, they can be physical, they can be mental, they can be whatever, but it happens to a good chunk of us, maybe not for a whole, a whole year in essence, or you're saying on and off for, for a couple of years, but uh, I just think there's, you know, there's a lot to think about with that. In terms of staying healthy, I think is probably the big takeaway perhaps. Yeah. I mean, the two things that I can point to is the first one's an accomplishment is the scholarship program that I got going last year at microconf. So I think that that, that was a, a good start. And, you know, this year is trying to take it to the next level and we'll see how that goes. But it was more about experimenting and trying to figure out what's going to work, what's not. And help work with the sponsors to figure out what worked for them as well. So I, I think that we did well with that. I would agree with that. And you basically spearheaded that and put in a bunch of time. And that was something that, it, you know, was a little mini startup within MicroConf. And so I would, I'm glad you called that out because that was something you did that was, that was really cool. I think something else you may not call this out, but like you kind of crushed it on sponsorships this year with both of the conferences. So I would, I would call that out as a win for you. You know, it's weird to put a goal in there of like, I want to increase sponsorships by X, Y, Z, because it's just, it's more relevant to us. It's an internal thing. And I don't know that it's that interesting to folks outside, but it is something that you put time into and, and had success with. Yeah. But I mean, even the sponsorships themselves, like they help us make 
like starter edition possible because we do subsidize starter edition from growth edition to some extent. It's like, and we have to because it can't cost the same to run both of the conferences. So the stuff that we do there has a direct impact on starter edition, which has a direct impact on people who are getting started with entrepreneurship and software. So like, I think that all that all ties together is like a, a general kind of goal or direction that we've both kind of always had for as long as this podcast has been going. But I, I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a good thing to call those out, but I, I don't know as I would probably have put those in explicitly as goals. Yeah. And then the only other thing I would say is that and I wouldn't even call this a goal again, but it's like I've started getting out with a group of friends here like once a week and actually having some social contact outside of my office. So like that's and it's weird to say that because I don't have an office that I go to. I don't have employees or people that I meet with on a regular basis. And I barely have any contractors at this point. It's really just me working on most stuff. So like my social contact outside of my house is extremely limited. And, you know, one of the things that I was trying to do is figure out like in terms of the mood and, you know, you kind of talked about if you don't get sleep, you kind of feel depressed and why am I working on this and things aren't working and you're very pessimistic. And I felt like that for a long time because I wasn't getting sleep. And one of the things I tried to do was say, okay, well, what can I do to fight this? And one of them was getting out and being more social with people. So I kind of, you know, established that Dungeons Dragons group and been meeting with them on a weekly basis. And it's, and honestly, it's quite helpful, but even now, like after getting sleep, like it's even more helpful because not, not, it's not just me looking forward to it every week, but everybody else is as well. That makes sense. So some good things did come out of 2018 is what you're saying. Yeah, some, but I don't know. I, I'm hoping 2019 will be substantially better. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a rough year. So looking at my 2018 goals, it looks like I had three of them. One was to have be in fewer meetings under 10 hours a week. You and I laughed, chuckled about this a few months back because the reason I was in a bunch of meetings is because I was at a fast growing startup that was, you know, growing from, I don't know, it was 20 or 30 people. And it's, a, you know, it went up to 60, 70 by the time I was leaving. And that just requires a bunch of, just a bunch of meetings, to keep everybody apprised of what's going on and all that. And I was running a big team and on senior leadership and it just, there's just a lot of stuff required with that. And so when I left Drip in April, basically my meetings went to zero and I didn't have knowledge. I mean, this was, you know, what we did this in November or, or December of last year. So I didn't have knowledge I was going to be leaving in April, but I did achieve this in a way that I probably didn't expect. You know, I think the way I wanted to achieve it or, or would have thought about it in November, December was to stay at the job, but just change it. So I was in fewer meetings, but it turns out that leaving the job also had the, it also did the trick. And frankly, my life's been better for it being in fewer meetings, that is. Yeah, adding six plus months of, uh, you know, zero meetings a week it tends to bring that average down pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I am way, I am so much more chill and just, you know, just content taking time off like this is uh, something I've never done and it, it's, it's worth it. My next goal was three days of exercise each week and, oh, so fewer meetings, I give myself a five, a uh, fewer days of exercise. I'm going to give myself a four. I basically crushed this goal from January until it got cold. So, I mean, I, I crushed it during the you know last winter and then all through summer I was out doing stuff. I was riding my bike. I was just doing, everything was built into my day and I was doing it. And then it was probably around October. So just a couple months ago that it got cold. We started homeschooling one of our kids and tiny seed started picking up. And 
what I let go was exercise and it's what I always do. That's always my lowest priority. And so I did it for what, 10 months, maybe nine or 10 months of the year. And there were, there were weeks where I had five days of exercise, like way more than I even need, in my opinion, pretty, you know, healthy by nature, just by genetics or whatever. So even getting in three days of 20 minutes, 20 or 30 minutes a pop is enough. So mostly achieved. And I think it's something that I want to certainly get back on the wagon, you know, here in the next, I don't know, in the next few weeks as, as winter continues to bear down on us. And my last goal for 2018, and this is going to, this one's interesting. So let me read this whole thing to ship something in 2018. Not sure what it's going to be yet, but I've been laying low for 18 months. 2017 was supposed to be a rest year and it was a hard year. The first part of 2018 is going to continue to be rest, but I need to start shipping either consistent blog posts, a book, a new podcast, a course, software, something. And what is that something, Mike? Uh, I assume that that would be Tiny Seed. <laughs> it, it is. And I had no, in, in 2017, November, I had no idea that that's what I'd be doing. So it's interesting that I predicted, it's like knowing yourself, right? Of like, I figured I was going to need to do something. And I actually, frankly, started working on a book. Like after I left uh, Drip in April, I did write about, I think I have maybe 12,000, 13,000 words, which is, you know, what about a quarter of a book, 20, 25% of worth of a book. So I did do that. And then I eventually just kind of slowed down on it and lost some interest and decided I just didn't want to force it. So there's also that that's in play and could feasibly, you know, come out sometime, but that's what I had. And I don't know with me if goals are self-fulfilling prophecies or if I say things that I, you know, I, I make goals that I secretly weigh in the back of my subconscious, know that I will achieve or something. But I, th this one is, strikes me as weird, honestly, because I remember the mindset I had at the time and I genuinely had no idea what I was going to do. I just knew I needed to put something out into the world. And that something obviously is, you know, has become tiny seed. I think in general, your goals tend to be, I wouldn't necessarily call them self-fulfilling prophecies, but more along the lines of you have this inkling in your head and your subconscious that you know what direction you want to go or need to go, but you're not quite sure how you're going to get there. And so during our goals episodes, you put something down that has kind of surfaced, but you're not always certain of, of the specifics. But by the end of the year, like something has solidified or something has come about. So for example, your fewer meetings, you know, you probably weren't thinking, oh, I'm going to leave lead pages. But at the end of the day, like that's, that was one of the ways that that came about. And maybe that partly influenced your decision because you wanted to have fewer meetings. And then the same thing with shipping something. And, you know, that kind of goes back to leaving lead pages as well. But tiny seed kind of came out of that. You knew in the back of your mind, I want to do something, not sure what that looks like. And it seems to me like, I think your goals on a yearly basis tend to reflect that. Yeah, that's a good, that's good insight. I also feel like I'm a, pr I'm pretty methodical and I kind of know when it's a, a push year and a, a, maybe a rest year or even, I don't know, I haven't had many rest years per se, but like, I don't know, it's, as we started drip, I knew 2013, the goal had to be launch it and grow it to X. And then 2014, 2015 and 2016, at the beginning of them, I did make revenue goals for the end of the year. And those goals for me now, I, this, this is an interesting conversation, actually, because some people don't like goals, or they don't believe in them, or they say they're not worthwhile, or they say that they don't fit them, you know, they're like, Oh, how can you possibly plan 12 months out? And maybe that's a personality thing. But I have, have set goals for myself since 
frankly, since back in high school with running track, like I had goals to hit certain times at certain by certain meets or to make the state meet or whatever. And that to me was a motivator to strive to do that. And I had goals to write certain amounts of things. And then, you know, when I started blogging and started becoming a professional, like I had, I had a goal to like make this much money by the time I was this old. And I don't know, I just always, I've been a goal driven person. So maybe these goals fit my personality and they're not something that everyone necessarily needs. What I find is interesting is Sherry, my wife, Sherry's personality is quite a bit different than mine. But when she goes on a retreat, she also sets at least some, I don't know if she'd call them goals, but they're things that she's striving to do. And she looks ahead a year and says, what are some things that I want to get done? Now I would call those goals, but maybe you could call them a mind map of, you know, you could call it something different, but it still is something, and it may not have an exact time frame. It may not be you know, I want to make exactly this much money from this thing, but it's like, I know that I need to, to kind of do this. So that's why we do these episodes, right? I think we should probably call that out. Do you feel the same way? Like, are, are you a goal-driven person and does having goals, do you think it helps you or do you think it, it is a waste of time, I guess, to have these? Uh, I'm definitely driven by goals, but I feel like the further out those goals are, it's harder for me to really conceptualize like the entire path getting there. So, and unless I sit down and kind of do all the planning work of, of saying, this is what it's going to take to get here. This is what it's going to take to get here. Unless I kind of do that whole process, I'm probably less likely to reach the end goal because I don't necessarily have a map to follow. And part of having that map to follow, it's fun for me to build that. But once I've figured out a, uh, like the answer to a particular problem, I'm not always the best at like following through and, and actually implementing it. So, and that's more of a personality thing than anything else, but you know, I can, I can definitely buckle down and get things done, but it depends on kind of what it is and what my interest level is. So if there's a goal that I put down and I know exactly how to get there, if the hardest part was figuring out how to get there, then I'm probably way less likely to actually do it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think to be honest, you know, there were times when I think back, you know, eight, seven, eight, nine years ago for me, it was really hard to look ahead a year because I just didn't know. And these are years where it's like, I decided to write a book and wrote it in three months. There was no inclination that I was going to write a book that year. I just decided this is the new thing and I'm going to move on to it. And we decided to launch MicroConf and did that pretty quick and launched the podcast. And so those years, I, I think if I had goals that I wrote down, probably completely went off the rails, but I was okay with that. Like it was a, a, a period of a lot of, there was a lot of stuff in flux in terms of my professional career and I was trying to figure stuff out. And it's not like I nailed these goals to my door and I could only do them and I etched them in cement and I could not veer from them. I veered from them because it was a better decision at the time. What I find with goals I set now, like what we're going to talk about in these episodes, these are a way for me to focus because I think a lot of us are presented, most of us are presented with way more opportunities than we can possibly pursue, right? And way more good ideas than we could ever implement. Good in quotes, some of them good, some not. And having goals is at least some bumpers to keep me in a lane so that I don't look around at every email I get offering, you know, for me to do this thing or this opportunity or whatever and say, oh, I, well, I, of course, that sounds like fun. I should do that. But I can come back to these goals and say, yeah, these are things that I really wanted to do. And they made sense when I really thought about them. And so unless something amazing comes along that just blows my mind, I'm going to kind of stay on this track for this year and see things through. 
And I think that not having goals can lead to a shorter term perspective because again, shiny object syndrome opportunities come up so frequently that can, that can just derail you and you can get to the end of the year and be like, what did I do for the last 12 months? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's giving yourself permission to say no to things. There's the idea that unless it's a hell yes, it should be a no. But I think you're right. I mean, there's just so many things that we could do. It's more of a, what would you, what do you want to do if you had all the time and resources in the world, but you only have so much time in your lifetime to do anything. So it's hard to figure out like for, for each individual, I think, if you've got this, you know, unlimited list of options, what is it that you want to achieve? What are you going to be proud of? Because eventually you're going to be gone. And, you know, what do you have left behind? Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about, right? Is like legacy. If you look out legacy and say, all right, Mike, so in 20 years, you know, you and I will be in our 60s. We could still work. We're still going to do stuff. But like our, our best days of accomplishment behind us. And do you have and this is a rhetorical question. We don't have to, you know, we don't have time to answer it here, but it's like, do you have goals, you know, of, or a goal of like, when you look back, when you're in your sixties or seventies that you want to think, yeah, I did that. And I think each of us should, if we don't. And so how are we going to get there? If we haven't set some goals along the way, do we just kind of wander our way and make it? And in the end, we're like, Hey, we totally, I'm glad all that worked out, you know, or is it like a deliberate, does it have to be a deliberate decision, you know, every week, month, year to kind of make progress towards towards something bigger. Yeah, but I don't think you always know what that's going to be 20 years in advance. I mean, it's it's hard to know what's going to work and what's not as you're moving forward and some things you're going to do and be very proud of them, but in the grand scheme of things they may be meaningless to like, I don't say the the greater world, but to you they meant something. Yeah. I think looking back, you're going to want to have those things that meant something to you. And yes, it would be nice to have legacy where other people recognize the accomplishments that you've had. But at the end of the day, did you live the life that you wanted to live? That's almost a great way to end this episode, except for we haven't covered our 2019 goals yet. That was a Damn good, you. I know that was, that was a nice, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad we, we talked that through because it's something that's been, I, I think the, the whole goals conversation has kind of been on my mind recently or every, every year or so, it just comes on my, on my radar of like, why, why do we set these, you know, and, and what does all this mean? So maybe a separate episode, we talk about legacy, but for now, shall we dive into 2019 goals? looks like you have two of them with multiple sub parts. It's like a tax. It's like, you're like an IRS document. One part <laughs> D is, yeah, let's, let's roll into it. All right. So the the two goals that I have for 2019, and the first one is really just get my health back on track. And, you know, with goals, you really want to have some sort of definition around exactly what that goal means. So for me, it means basically four different things. And one of them is exercising. The second one is getting a regular sleep schedule going. And then the third one is losing some weight because I've put on probably about 25 to 30 pounds or so in the past couple of years. And it's more because just lack of sleep and everything else that's going into it. But And then the fourth one is regular in-person social contact, which I've got partially down at this point, I think. But I think I probably need to expand that a little bit. But exercise a certain number of times a week. I wanted to get to it at least twice a week. And then the normal sleep schedule, I really need to be getting at least six and a half to seven hours of sleep every night. Previously, it was only maybe four or five on an average, on average, I think. And then obviously losing weight, I'd say 15 pounds to kind of start with for this coming year. And then regular in-person social contact is kind of a nebulous thing, but I've got a, at least one scheduled night a week with people. Maybe I go to two, but I'm not sure about that. 
Yeah, that one's tough because I don't know that you want to regiment, commit yourself to two nights a week. It doesn't necessarily always make sense. No, but I, I, I do notice that like when I go to my gaming group and I come back, I tend to get a really good night of sleep that night every single time. Interesting. Is it because you drink a lot? I decline to, uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> no, I gotta drive. Well, actually, I, it's when I host, I don't have to drive anywhere. So that's certainly helpful, but. Plus drinking disturbs your sleep, right? It's not, yeah, it does. It helps you fall asleep, but it doesn't actually give you a good night's sleep. That's true. That's true. So yeah. So those are the kind of four subheadings under getting under that first goal. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So yeah, let me, let me do my first one. My first one, not surprisingly, is three days of exercise per week. It's basically a continuation of, of something that I started a couple years ago, although I, I believe you started the whole exercise goal first, probably three, four years ago, and eventually I was like, all right, I need to get on this. It's never something I've needed to do, but I do... I know it's something I should do, in all honesty, you know, especially as I get older. So it's kind of a boring goal, but it's something that I need to have on my list or else I have no desire to do it and I will not make the time unless it's written down and I know that I'm going to have to come back here and talk about it. It's an interesting accountability thing. Like it's not that I'd, you know, be terribly devastated if I came back and said, oh, I got a one, but I know it's good for me, like eating my vegetables. And I know that I've at least made some type of public commitment to it. So for me, it's helpful to say this as a goal. And my my second goal is for Einar and I to build it into essentially the de facto brand when bootstrappers look for early stage funding. And this one's going to be tough to measure. And it, this is where the one to five will help us out because I, I think by the end of 2019, frankly, that's only 12 months away and it's not a lot of time to do this. So I'm guessing this, this is a multi-year process. But I think what I'm saying here is I, I want to raise all the fund, you know, kind of close the funding and have a batch that goes, that goes live and we get companies that are having success and it's just executing on the tiny seed vision. And so I don't, I don't know exactly what to put to measure, you know, at the end of 12 months, but I have a feeling in my head of what I want it to be. And I want it to feel successful, you know, and I want it to feel like it's, it's well-regarded and I want it to do right by, you know, both the founders and the investors who are involved with it. And I want it to make, to make a difference. Right. And, and I feel like if we had said at the beginning of starting microconf at the end of next year or the year after, we want it to be a prominent player in the conference space, which was not a foregone conclusion when we launched it by any stretch that did happen. It didn't probably happen the first year. It took us a couple of years to get there, but like we knew it when we saw it, like once it happened, it was like, oh yeah, microconf is a thing now. That's how I want. I want tiny seed to be a thing. So that's my long way of saying 2019 for me is definitely the year of, uh, of tiny seed. Yeah. I think for this one, I agree that, you know, for the way you've kind of phrased it here is for it to be the de facto brand when people bootstrappers are looking for early stage funding that is in and of itself is kind of a multi-year goal. But I think that you could probably narrow that down a little bit to say you've got the first batch of people going through, however big that batch happens to be. Maybe you put goals around it, maybe you don't. But at the end of the year, I think that you want to see that whoever has gone through that batch has reasonable looking chances for success based on where they started. And, you know, the, the exact definition of that is not going to be determinable right now, but you're going to kind of know it when you see it six, eight, 10 months afterwards. And maybe they're at that point by the end of the year, maybe they're not. It depends on kind of when you start that batch and get them through, started through the process. Because if you start in January, then obviously you've got a lot more time than if you started in next October. 
Yep. So I've made a note there. First batch of founders are in the batch and they have a good chance of success. I mean, in my back of my head, like I would, I really want stuff to start moving in Q1, which is, you know, January, February, March. So we'll see how, you know, how closely we can align to that, but it should give us a good chunk of the year to get people moving. So my second goal I have here on the list is uh, specifically related to Blue Tick. The first one was just getting my health back on track. And then the second one is to establish some sort of traction for it or move on to something else. And it sounds, <laughs> maybe that sounds like a major shift, but at the same time, I feel like with the focus starting to come back to me and clarity and getting sleep, like things need to move in a good direction or it's just going to be meandering. And if it's still meandering at the end of next year, then chances are good that either I'm not committed to it or there's something else going on. And quite frankly, I just don't want to be in a position where I'm making excuses at the end of next year. Like it's, it's got to move or not. And if not, then fine. But, and I don't want that to happen, but at the same time, like I, as I said, I just, I just don't want to be in this position next year where I have to justify kind of what happened. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it'll be a, a tough decision, a lot of work this year to try to push it forward and then evaluate that. So, yeah. And I don't know exactly what the, the target is for that. It's like, I'm kind of fuzzy on what it means. Like, is it a revenue target? Is it a customer base? If I get to X minus one customers and I plan to get to X, like, do I kill things? I don't think that's really applicable. It's like, did things shift substantially now that I feel like I'm able to focus or, or am I still in that position? Do I still feel like I'm not able to focus on it? Cause if that's the case, then maybe it's a motivation issue and maybe I'm just not really that interested in it, but we'll see. Yeah. I feel like in my head, it would be, you know, finding product market fit, you know, ha having a product where that really is easy to grow because churn is so low. And when people start using it, they stay and they, and that you're then add, able to add enough customers that, like you said, it becomes profitable, including your time. I mean, that would be, or, or is very close to that, you know, or is, is on a, a trajectory to hit that. So within, within a short amount of time, I guess. So that's all still amorphous, but <laughs> it, that, that's what I think, you know, in my head, it probably looks like. Yeah, but that's why I said, you know, establish some sort of traction with it. Like, you, I mean, you said trajectory, and I think that's exactly what, you yeah. know, same, same thing. It's, is it, does it appear to be on the right path? And you may not know exactly what that is right now, but afterwards, you'll kind of know whether there's a good difference between where it's at now versus where it is at that time. Yep. So my last two goals. So again, my first one was three days of exercise a week. Second one was about tiny seed. My third one is to not panic when the stock market crashes. So this is uh, this is one of our predictions that we have every year, right? Is that there's going to be this correction or whatever. So did you panic last week or the week before when the stock market dropped by like a thousand points in a week? Nah. <laughs> I didn't at all. No. Okay. So, so maybe this is an easy one. I mean, I kind of pay attention to it, but I'm also so diversified and I have, you know, I've already, I don't have so much in stocks that it matters. So I don't know, maybe this is, maybe I'm just not going to panic. Maybe this is not a big one for me, but I've, I've just been thinking about it. Like the last, you know, in 2008, when it all went down, I sold stock after it had gone down. And it's the, it's the complete rookie mistake that everyone makes. It's the reason that the Main Street investor, it's the reason that their returns don't match a simple index fund is because people do that and they panic. And so I'm, being, I'm in a way different mental position and a way different financial position this time. And so my hope is that, you know, no matter how bad it gets, I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever. I don't, I don't need to sell stock at this point to, to do anything. And that, that I'm able to just ride this out because that's how you, you know, I believe that that's, that's how you're going to do it, right? Selling at the bottom is certainly not going to 
not going to do it for you. And my last goal for 2019 is one that I want to do, I hope to do, but it will be the first to go if all of my focus is required to do what we need with Tiny Seed. But this fourth goal is to either write or rewrite a book. And by write, I mean finish and publish, you know, get something live. So it can, I continue to get feedback in a positive way. I mean, even, you know, that there was a Hacker News thread when we announced Tiny Seed in October that went pretty big, right? It was on the homepage for a day or something. It was crazy. And we got a bunch of, bunch of good conversation and comments around that. But part of that was like, hey, this is from the guy who wrote Start Small, Stay Small. And someone's like, oh, that would be great if he rewrote that or something like that. And then that single, he, if he updated it for a second edition, that comment got upvoted like, 26 times or something, right? And, and most comments get a couple upvotes. But I, and then I chimed in like, no, this is actually good feedback for me. I know I hear this now and again, but it, it is something that sold enough copies and it, the, the mental or, or the high level things in it are still applicable, but the kind of the tactics and a lot of the boots on the ground stuff has changed since 2010, you know, in the last eight years. So it, it makes me really think about going back to that manuscript. And, and I do have a different take and I do have so much better examples. And I do have entire topics that I talk about now that are just not in the book, you know, and it would, it would be a lot less work to rewrite or not even rewrite, right? It's like update a second edition basically and, and expand it. So I think I would like to, uh, I'd like to get that done. And it would be, you know, the nice part is it it's not a side thing where it's like, oh, I need to steal time away from tiny seed. It's actually, it could be in service of that, right? Because a, a launch of another book and getting that into the hands of, of, you know, a bunch of, of new entrepreneurs or even, you know, founders who have read the old one, like it continues to like promote the idea of this, you know, of bootstrapping and it, and it, it, it continues to push behind my brand and my brand is obviously attached to the tiny seat brand. So I think it could be in service of, of my other goal, which is to, to grow, you know, tiny seat in, in prominence and respect. So. There's ways to cheat here a little bit, which would be to take your old conference talks and have them transcribed and then put those into a book. <laughs> oh, I love, I mean, that's a, but that's a great idea, right? It's like, I obviously wouldn't be just transcriptions. I mean, I would want to clean it up and stuff. There are probably, you know, there's, there's still some content in the Micropreneur Academy that I think never saw the light of day outside of the Academy that I think could be modified and updated, not like nuts and bolts. Here's how, what to click in the Facebook interface, but there was, there's still some kind of philosophical and high level stuff that's in there that I wrote that it's like, yeah, I could, I could see that being a chapter that I didn't put in the first one because either it wasn't relevant or it wasn't, I don't know, just cause I didn't. So I think there's a lot, that's the thing is to your point, like there's been so much content that we've kicked out on the podcast, conference talks, or, or through other means, even that, you know, when I started writing the, the drip book, the book I started writing this year, where I was kind of writing the story of drip, but then I started realizing there were these takeaways and there were mistakes I'd made and there were things I did right. I even have, those are kind of essays right now, right? And I could pull pieces of those into it. So I think you and I get together every week and we talk for 30, 40 minutes. We generate a lot of content, you know, that, that could be pulled from. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we are about out of time for the, uh, the goals episode. Went quite a bit longer than I had expected, but good things, good takeaways for you. Yeah, I think so. I think it was a good, good discussion and kind of good to get these solidified. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Well, we should check in, you know, in three or four months and see where we are. Cool. 
Well, I think that wraps us up. If you have a question for us, you can call it into our voicemail number at one 801 9690 or you can email it to us at questions at Our theme music is an excerpt from We're Out of Control by Moot used under Creative Commons. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for startups and visit startupsforrestofus.com for full transcript of each episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.